You're listening to Law and Gospel. And I've got to get my throat fixed here a bit. <clears throat> On this August the 14th in the year of our Lord, 2023. I'm Pastor Tom Baker. And for Monday, we take a look at the readings and the readings for the 12th Sunday after Pentecost, which will occur this August the 20th, are Isaiah 56, Romans 11, and Matthew 15. Okay, my voice is a little better. Isaiah 56. First of all, you got to remember, this is the Old Testament. And the first verse of Isaiah 56 reads, Thus says the Lord, Keep justice and do righteousness, for soon my salvation will come and my deliverance be revealed. Now, what is God talking about here? When he's talking about keeping justice, it means to follow his will. His will is very just. And we do that because we do righteousness. Now, you cannot do righteousness apart from the will of God. But that is happening when you are a believer. Because the Holy Spirit comes in you and gives you his justification. And your salvation soon will come. And his deliverance will be revealed. Now, beginning with verse 6, Isaiah starts talking about foreigners. And the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord, and to be his servants, everyone who keeps the Sabbath and does not profane it, and holds fast my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain. Now, what is Isaiah talking about here? What foreigners who join themselves to the Lord? Well, remember, the chosen people were the Jewish people, and Gentiles are foreigners. What Isaiah is saying is that as we, many of us who are Gentiles, join ourselves to the Lord, to love the name of the Lord, and to be his servants, and to keep his Sabbath. Now, what does that mean, to keep the Sabbath day? Now, remember the Sabbath day, to keep it holy, is the third commandment. But it's a commandment that's helping us to understand that that is how God comes to us. We go to him in worship, but all worship services are led by God himself. For example, when I as a pastor baptize an infant, I don't have any power to baptize an infant and give them the forgiveness of sins. 
but I have the authority to do so because I am a called and ordained pastor of the Lord, called by the congregation, ordained by the Lord, and therefore the work that I do in baptism and the Lord's Supper, they are miracles, but they are not accomplished by me. They are just simply using my voice, God does, in order to accomplish bringing a child into the nurture and admonition of the Lord, as well as providing the very body and blood of Jesus Christ for his servants. To keep the Sabbath and do not profane it and hold fast the covenant is really important. If you'll remember last week's lesson, it begins by talking about that that old covenant that was inaugurated by Moses was one in which if you keep the commandments, then you will be saved. But that is a dead covenant because no one is able to keep the commandments perfectly. Only believers can do that. So the new covenant, and the word covenant is kind of like an agreement or a treaty. In fact, it was what Jesus did at the Last Supper. He gave his last will and covenant. It was kind of a testament to his definitely gifts of the forgiveness of sins and heaven as our home. So how do we hold fast his covenant? Is we believe his promises. That's how you hold fast his covenant. For example, if you have a father or mother who are near death and they tell you that they have left something for you in the will, you don't expect to get it the next day if they're still alive. But you believe their promise that that will be yours at their death. It's their last will and covenant. And that's what God does. The old covenant never works, namely trying to obey the law in order to be saved. Because we all fall short of the glory of God. But the New Covenant, or the New Testament, is that through Jesus Christ, our sins have been forgiven because they have been paid for by his death on the cross. So, keeping the Sabbath is a way in which we allow Jesus to come to us in a worship service or in our Bible study, even at home, to bring us the good news of salvation. And what does he say? These I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Now, what mountain are you going to? Well, we remember going back into the Old Testament, Jerusalem was on a mountain. 
and that became where the temple of the Lord was built. It was a house of prayer. And when people went there, they were joyful, joyful because they were able to receive the gifts and the benefits of the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. In fact, there are some occasions in the Old Testament where God will not accept burnt offerings and sacrifices on the altar. Why? Because people were bringing them to try and buy their way into heaven. They thought that by doing this, well, that's how they were saved. No. Burnt offerings and sacrifices will be accepted on his altar if we do it with the right covenant in mind. Namely, these are his gifts. Every time we have an offering at our churches, I'll often say, we give thee but thine own, whatever the gift may be. For all that we have is thine alone, a trust, O Lord, from thee, or a loan, O Lord, from thee. I don't own anything that God doesn't own, but he gives it to me to make use of it. And the use of it is to follow his covenant in accepting the wonderful good news so, what is his altar? My house, it says, shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. That's really important. In our travels to our congregations that were serving in central Illinois, we go by a number of churches. And there's a Lutheran church that we go by, Missouri Synod, and they put a new sign up. And on the sign, it says, all are welcome. Now, when you think about that, are all welcome? Well, the verse here in Isaiah, verse 7 says, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. There's no doubt that all are welcome, but it is not true that all who attend are people of God. Some people may attend church for business reasons or because they don't want to get their spouse mad at them or because their parents tell them they have to go to church. But those who come in faith, definitely are there. And everyone is still welcome because many people have come to faith in hearing the word of God. And that hearing can occur in a worship service. A proper worship service has liturgy filled with Bible verses has often three Bible verses, Old Testament, Epistle, and Gospel, has various parts of the liturgy 
such as the introit or the gradual that are quotes often from the Psalms, has sacraments of baptism and the Lord's Supper. In fact, just recently, we had a visitor attend one of my congregations, and we were talking about the difference between law and gospel. Now, they are not Lutheran, but we spoke with them afterwards, and they said they could not hear anything that they disagreed with. That's because the Holy Spirit was working within them. So Isaiah chapter 56 ends in verse 8. The Lord God who gathers the outcasts of Israel. Now, what, what does that mean? That is referring to those people in Israel who fell away from the Lord, who fell away from proper observance of the Sabbath, began to worship idols. And of course, as a negative consequence, they were taken into Babylonian captivity. Now, they did return to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple, but not to the glory that it was under Solomon. Even when Herod helped to rebuild the temple at the time of Jesus, it still did not reach that glory. But it was still a beautiful place. And yet God left that temple. That was the purpose of the tearing of the temple curtain when Jesus was on the cross. God left the temple. The temple was cursed. No longer is God there. Where is God now? He's in your heart. He becomes a part of you, or you become a part of God. So at the end of Isaiah uh, 56, verse 8, the Lord God who gathers the outcasts of Israel declares, I will gather yet others to him besides those already gathered. Now, what does that mean? Well, if we learn anything from Lutheran theology, we interpret the Bible by use of the principle, Scripture interprets Scripture. That is to say, we can go to other places of Scripture to find the meaning of a passage, even in the Old Testament. And it just so happens that today's gospel from Matthew 15 does clarify what God means when he says, I will gather yet others to him besides those already gathered. Now, who is the to him? That would be the Redeemer that the Ancient of Days in Daniel, God the Father, sent to the world, namely the Son of Man, Jesus Christ. And sure enough, we find that in Matthew 15. Jesus withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, 
a Canaanite woman from that region came and was crying out, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. So, of course, she had heard of Jesus healing many other people and getting rid of demons, demon possession. And she was asking Jesus to do that for her daughter. It was clear that she had an understanding of who Jesus is because she refers to him as the son of David. But verse 23, Matthew 15, he did not answer her a word. Now that's really an important statement because a lot of times you may pray to Jesus and it appears he's not answering a word back to you, that he's not replying to your prayer. But that is not accurate because Jesus is doing that for a reason. And the reason is found in the next verses. His disciples came and begged Jesus, saying, Send her away, for she is crying out after us. Now, they're bothered by this woman. They do not ask Jesus, Heal her, heal her daughter, so she can go away. No, send her away. See, that's the attitude on the part of the disciples because she was a Canaanite. In fact, in another situation where Jesus is giving water, proper water to a Canaanite woman, they're really surprised that he's even talking to her because Jews and Canaanites just don't get together. And she was also a Samaritan. So after Jesus' disciples begged him, send her away, he answers, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now, that's a really important statement. Because is Jesus saying, I wasn't sent to this Canaanite woman or a Samaritan or any Gentile. I was only sent to the lost sheep of Israel. But Jesus knew what he was talking about. Because she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered back to her in somewhat the same way they said to the disciples that he wasn't really called except for the lost sheep of Israel. He says, It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Now, 
we need to realize that in the Greek, Jesus doesn't use the word dog in a mean sense. But this could be even a pet dog. And she recognizes that. And she says, yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Reminds me of another incident where Jesus talks about a man named Lazarus and a rich man. And Lazarus ate the crumbs that fell from the table. And both died. And the rich man wanted someone to go back and tell his relatives about what was in store for them if they did not believe in Jesus Christ. And remember what Abraham says? No, they have Moses and the prophets. If they don't listen to them, they won't even listen to someone who has risen from the dead. That obviously was talking about Jesus. You see, it's not the resurrection that brings people to faith. Instead, it is the words of Jesus, the words of the forgiveness of sins, the promises he gives that you will be going to heaven, even though you do not deserve it. And the more the people hear this gospel, the more is the Holy Spirit able to provide them with the faith. This woman had faith. She believed that Jesus was more than the son of Mary. He was also the son of David. And that was a promise from the Old Testament that through David would come the Messiah, the Savior of the world. And she was even willing to receive the crumbs from the Messiah. Jesus then responded to her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And verse 28 says, And her daughter was healed instantly. So, what did Jesus mean when he said, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel? Well, once more, Scripture interpret scripture. If you go to verses 8 through 10 in the book of Romans, we find out that the kingdom of Israel also includes any Gentile who believes in Jesus as their Savior. Remember, Paul makes a distinction between those who are like Isaac and are believing the promises of God in contrast to unbelieving Israelites 
who had to be taken into Babylonian captivity because of their idolatry. One was also Israel, as was the other. But the true Israel were believers in Jesus Christ. Are you a believer in Jesus Christ? The Bible makes very clear. If you believe that Jesus died and rose again, crucified for your sins, paid for your sins, and therefore your sins have been taken care of, as John the baptizer promised, behold, Jesus is the one who will take away the sins of the world. And to where does he take away the sins? He takes them to the cross. They're affixed to his body so that when he suffers and dies, it's as though you are on the cross, which is exactly what Romans 6 says in your baptism, that you are crucified with Christ. You're buried with Christ. You're risen from the dead with Christ. And you have also, according to Ephesians, ascended into heaven because you are part of the body of Christ. He is the head, and the body is wherever the head is. In other words, you have been saved. Heaven is your home. And that's the good news, not only of Isaiah chapter 56, but also of Matthew 15, where it becomes clear that the Canaanite woman is part of the lost sheep of the house of Israel. I'm Tom Baker. Join us tomorrow for the hymn for this coming Sunday. Till then, God bless you. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your checkout to Law & Gospel and mail to Law & Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri 63132 or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.